When compiling any list of movies to cover a subgenre or theme, it's important to understand where to place your centrepiece choice. When I say centrepiece choice, I mean that which most people in pop culture are novices to the topic in which you're about to discuss would, in a family fortune-esque game show setting, be the survey says 100 people out of 100 would select title. Now it should be the centre point. If you imagine a spider's web, this would be the centre selection. And from there you spiral outwards, picking off titles lesser known as you go on. There should be a logical through line to your selection and ultimately where you end up at the end should be a title which holds a kind of tertiary sort of link to the original centrepiece. In this chronicle season we have been picking off titles that have been on the periphery and slowly working in reverse to the centre point. The centre point being this particular movie selection. This choice. Suffice to say, if the Witchfinder General is one of the big three, and Blood and Satan's Claw is one of the big three, then the granddaddy of them all, when discussing British folk horror cinema, would certainly be tonight's selection. So I know you've been waiting for it. I know you've been anticipating it. So we might as well get around to discussing it. The movie we will be covering on this episode is none other than Robin Hardy's The Wicker Man. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Ignition, T-10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, liftoff. And welcome back to another episode of Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. The podcast that takes each season a theme in European horror cinema and works through a list of movies covering it from way back in the origins right up to modern day. In this season three, we've been looking at folk horror, specifically through the British cinema lens. And we have covered some pretty impressive titles thus far, but none that hold the stature, the prominence and the pop culture reverence of that of The Wicker Man, which will be the movie we're covering on this episode. Now, we are about the halfway mark of the season. We're certainly halfway through chapter two. And we still have four movies left to go after this and plenty more bang for your buck. But it made sense putting this movie right in this position. Mostly because, for some people, this is as good as folk horror cinema in the UK gets. I would argue that whilst we never quite reach the lofty heights of The Wicker Man, we continue to get interesting takes on a specific lens of cinema that Robin Hardy manages to create in this movie. 
and I'm looking forward to covering the rest of those movies as we continue throughout. It's worth saying that this episode is about a week late. The reason behind it is this is the third time I am recording it. The first two times fully recorded, edited down and then on a QE listen at the end, I wasn't quite happy with how it sounded. I didn't feel like I was bringing the passion that I have for this particular movie to an audio format. So third time's the charm, ladies and gents. Now as you know, Chronicle is on the Teapots Collective feed and it is surrounded by a myriad of other artistic endeavours that I do in podcast world. We are currently running through the Where to Begin with Jallo, which weirdly enough almost mimics exactly the setup that I gave you at the start of this episode. It picks the most logical selection in Jallo and we're working our way out from the most logical selection to those fringe element movies that you may have never heard of before. It is an interactive show which relies on you, the listener, getting involved, following us through in our 10 movie jaunt through Jallo and submitting your reviews as and when you watch the movies. It's been a ton of fun thus far and there is a new episode coming out later this week. On top of that, you have Opera Omnia, a show which looks at a director's entire filmography the first season looking at Ben Wheatley with one guest host joining me for the entire season. Mr Watson and myself will be joining you this month with the fourth in the Ben Wheatley filmography, a little movie called High Rise. And if you like your movies sleazy, cheap and full of exploitation, then Doing the Nasty is the podcast for you. Myself and Mark Ball are going through the tier 3 movies in the UK video nasty list. All, what, 82, 87, 84? Who knows? Uh, There's 80 odd movies and we'll be covering them for the next couple of years anyway. One episode a month with two films covered in each episode. That is also available on the Teapots Collector. So if you're listening to this show just now, make sure you hit subscribe to this feed and you get all those shows on this individual feed just now. And one dropping approximately every week to keep you entertained out there. Also, you can check out the other stuff that I do on Podcast Under the Stairs, which puts out four episodes a week of horror podcast content over on a different feed that you can subscribe to as well. So that is you all caught up here. We are doing Chronicle, and this is season three, looking at folk horror through the lens of British film. Now, I'm already starting to plan, even though we still have four episodes left in this season, where we're going to go with season number four. It's going to be coming out much later on in the year and trust me when I say the ideas that are uh, renumerating in my brain just now almost kind of almost kind of marinating in the, the horror genre soup that I call my brain uh, will be very exciting and I'm looking forward to bringing you as well tons of content and more movie coverage than you can shake an angry stick at. But before we get too far ahead of where we want to go with future episodes and future seasons covering a plethora of different and weird and abstract horror topics, let's take a bit of time, let's lean back and let's cover arguably one of the most important movies 
in the British horror cinema catalogue. A movie from a director's point of view isn't even actually a horror movie. He considers it more of a musical. A musical drama is what Robin Hardy would say. And certainly it has music in it and it has drama in it. Also has some of the most iconic scenes in horror cinema ever captured to celluloid. Ladies and gents, it's time to discuss The Wicker Man. Good day to you, sir. I'm the harbour master. Sergeant Howie, West Highland Police. A missing child is always trouble. Aye, aye, aye. For everybody. Perhaps you would be good enough to explain matters to his lordship. He's most particular who lands he is. All in good time. We <laughs> two have our own particularities. <laughs> you know her. Her name is Rowan Morrison. The photo was in this letter posted here on the Summer Isle. No, no, I've never seen her before. I don't know the face either. You know her, Kenny. <coughs> she doesn't belong to this island. No, I never saw her before. Oh, she doesn't belong here at all, Johnny. Yeah. The letter is anonymous. It was addressed to me personally on the mainland. Oh, can you see her? Well, now, no, what are you saying? You're saying that she is not from the island. That's right, she's not from here. Uh, or you'll get Morrison's and Lewis and a few in Mull. I would try there. Thanks. None of us has seen May Morrison's daughter, Rowan, since last year. She's only 12 and she's been missing from her home for many months. The mother's name is May Morrison. Oh, oh. May! <laughs> she quite slipped oh. my memory. Of course we've got May. She keeps the post office in the high street. May Morrison, you're quite sure? Quite sure. Well, thank you for your help. That's not May's daughter, though. No, she's not May's. Then who is she? Through the themes we've covered already thus far in our four movie selections prior to The Wicker Man, there's been a definitive through line of template ideas or tones that you have to cover in order to be considered a stepping stone on the way to definitive folk horror. We've talked about hubris, we've talked about being out your element, we've talked about being in a place that you should not be in and bringing with you a great deal of baggage, ideals and ideologies, maybe even theologies which the local people do not understand or do not want to participate in. And the Wicker Man, for the most part, is the antithesis. It is the amalgamation of all these ideas birthed on screen as one cohesive entity. Now sadly, for the viewing public, we have been, over the years, subjected to various cuts of this movie and never the definitive cut as laid out by the director. We have seen different versions most recently in the 4K restoration deluxe edition release. I think it was four different versions on that disc of the same movie and each of them have their own quirks and their own feels, their own things that make them uh, arguably more unique take on the story of the Wicker Man. But what lies at the core is the imagery 
the fear, the dread, the playful wonder, and of course, the very end. Can I help you? Could I have a word with you, please, miss? Certainly. Yes. Open your desk and take out your exercise books. Miss, you can be quite sure that I shall report this to the proper authorities. Everywhere I go on this island, it seems to me I find degeneracy, and there is brawling in bars, there is indecency in public places, and there is corruption of the young, and now I see it all stems from here. It stems from the filth taught here in this very schoolroom. I was unaware that the police had any authority in matters of education. Ah, ah, well, we'll see about that. And what makes a movie even more interesting, depending on your theological bent, is who you would side with in this movie. Over time, I found myself less likely to sympathise with the fairly dismissive and incredibly arrogant Edward Woodward arriving on an island which appears to be peace-loving and full of free love and pagan traditions and practices. And he brings his Christian ideals to that island in, in a way which can be seen as aggressively dismissive. Mocks, jeers, condescends and flat out distrusts the islanders purely because they do not share the beliefs that he holds. Now granted, at the end of the movie his suspicions are borne out. Realistically, these people should not be trusted. They do play this as one long game. But as an audience member at eye level with Edward Woodward, it's difficult to see that as you traverse the many different paths that this movie will take you in the mystery to try and find out what has happened with this missing girl. And unlike the movies that came before, movies like Blood and Satan's Claw or to an extent The Witchfinder General, which does at times revel in man's own cruelty but still looking at things through a slightly supernatural bent, or Cry of the Banshee, a movie that we discussed very recently, Blood and Satan's Claw being the prime example of is it supernatural? Is this devil worship manifest real? The Wicker Man has no airs or graces at all. This is a construct of man. Yes, their worship of pagan deities and the belief of their failing harvest requiring human sacrifice would ultimately lead to the end of this movie, but it's still man's actions at the core. So it wouldn't surprise anyone that a movie like this would find difficulty attracting any sort of mainstream wide appeal upon its release. People don't want to think about the evil things that men do, but it lands at an important time in horror cinema. Running second in a double bill with Nicholas Roger's Don't Look Now, you might think that The Wicker Man was being punished and placed in an unenviable slot to follow arguably one of the greatest pictures ever made. But on a lot of levels, what The Wicker Man has done through time is ensure its lasting legacy as the template structure of what not only folk horror cinema should aspire to, but in more recent years as a shining example of what British filmmakers can utilise in order to create works of horror art. 
because it's the British landscape here that is just as much a character and a weight amongst the viewer's neck as the giant wicker structure burned at the end. And tiptoeing out of the 60s into the counterculture, an idea of movies covering Satanism and magic and the occult, the Wicker Man feels almost perfectly placed to playfully weave its mischief and mystery throughout. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast. Stay with us. Good afternoon, Sergeant Howie. I trust the sight of the young people refreshes you. No, sir. It does not refresh me. Oh, I'm sorry. One should always be open to the regenerative influences. I understand you're looking for a missing girl. I found her. Splendid. In her grave. Your Lordship, as a Justice of the Peace, I need your permission to exhume her body, have it transported to the mainland for a pathologist's report. You suspect uh, foul play? I suspect murder and conspiracy to murder. In that case, you must go ahead. Your Lordship seems strangely unconcerned. I'm confident your suspicions are wrong, Sergeant. We don't commit murder up here. We're a deeply religious people. Religious? With ruined churches? No ministers, no priests, and children dancing naked. They do love their divinity lessons. But they they are, are naked. Naturally, it's much too dangerous to jump through the fire with your clothes on. What religion can can, can they possibly be learning? Jumping over bonfires. Parthenogenesis. What? Literally, as Miss Rose would doubtless say in her assiduous way, reproduction without sexual union. Oh, what is all this? I mean, you, you, you've got fake, fake, fake biology, fake religion. Sir, have these children never heard of Jesus? Himself the son of a virgin, impregnated, I believe, by a ghost. Do sit down, Sergeant. Socks are so much better absorbed with the knees bent. The plot to the movie is very simple. It follows a very authoritarian police officer travel from the mainland of the UK to a small island off the coast of Scotland. He's brought there to serve out his duty and investigate the case of a missing child. And from the off, something strange about this island in which he's landed. The townsfolk don't appear to show much concern at all to the idea of anyone being missing. Furthermore, this idea of a child, an innocent child, being missing on their island is kind of shooed away. Edward Woodward would play Sergeant Howie and as he would travel further down the investigation finding out more and more about these people inhabiting an island of people who have turned their back on God and embraced a more backwards paganistic lifestyle and at the centre the leader the ringmaster Lord Summerisle 
played by Christopher Lee in a performance that he would say was his very favourite of all the hundred plus performances he had on the big screen. What's interesting about Lord Summerisle as a character is not only is he rocking Converse and dim with the kids, a guy who for the most part is dressing casually, he's still the owner of the island, he's still part of the gentry class. He's still manipulating and controlling very much like those on the mainland. He commands a respect that Edward Woodward's Sergeant Howie would command on the mainland himself as a member of the police. And the more he shares with Howie about the customs and practices on the islands, ideas of full explanations of sexual development and activities given to kids at school at younger ages than Woodward would find acceptable, or the idea of people freely engaging in sexual practices in public spaces, outside where people could see them or stumble upon them, is an affront to everything that the prudish Sergeant Howie holds dear. But at the core of this is the mystery. And from the very start, Woodward is drawn further and further in. It's all part of the game and it's all part of the ritual. For what he does not know is that the crops are failing on this island and they keep failing. And the last resort of Summer Isle's attempt to retain power as the leader of his people is a human sacrifice at the hands of the wicker man. Sadly, Howie discovers his fate too late and the movie has a crescendo to end all filmic crescendos and one of the most gut-wrenching and often cited as one of the most powerful scenes in horror cinema history is led to his death and burned alive as the camera pans away to what could be potentially a better day as the sun sets in the distance. The power in the Wicker Man lies in two different ideologies, two different practices of faith arguing against each other against the setting sun. There is absolutely no guarantee that with Woodward's death at the end of this movie that the crops will grow next year. So this offering to the island's gods may be for naught. When you juxtapose that with Sergeant Howie crying out to his god at the end of this movie for some sort of rescue, redemption, or deliverance, with no signs of that being delivered. Ultimately, the movie ends with people crying to the sky to deities that they believe exist in stark contrast to the other's belief. It's a wonderful hyperbole, a jaunty little juxtaposition, if you will. You, Sergeant, are the right kind of adults. Our painstaking researches have revealed you uniquely were the one we need. A man who would come here of his own free will. A man who has come here with the power of a king by representing the law. A man who would come here as a phantom. A man who has come here as a fool. Get out of my way. Ah! 
accepted the role of king for a day. And who but a fool would do that? But you will be revered and anointed as a king. But it's an ending nonetheless that sticks with you, the viewer, long after the screening. And sitting with trepidation, wondering why there were no helicopters on the horizon, why no police were showing up to save Woodward at the end. And as I've said on many recordings and many viewings of this movie since, that feeling has never left. I always stare at the screen, at the horizon as the camera pans off, expecting the help to come, which never does. In time, I've learned to accept that whilst I thought this was a movie where the bad guys win at the end, thus breaking a convention, I held true as a young movie watcher, that ultimately cinema and endings are all about perspective. Who's to say that the inhabitants of Summer Isle aren't the good guys after all, and Woodward is the bad man, the man that would be similar to a Matthew Hopkins, the Witchfinder General, there to root out those he suspects as being evil and full of witchcraft. Or maybe, just maybe, both are wrong. Maybe the police officer's heavy-handed approach is wrong. Does that merit his death? No. Maybe the people of Summer Isle are wrong. Maybe their ideas of free love and caring for each other in ways which seem strange to those from the mainland, maybe they're wrong as well. Maybe it's a conversation that requires a heavy academic mind or a temperament which does not come in with bias to understand. And it's difficult to do either if you are but a simple film goer. That's where the movie shines. Not only because of its great cinematography and its wonderful score, not only because of its playfulness, and the fact that it is ultimately a horror movie in the last 10 minutes alone. Maybe it's the performances that stand out and stay with us long past the viewing. The idea of Edward Woodward screaming to his God in terror and fear as he's dragged towards his inevitable death. All these things are right and wrong through the eyes of the viewer but the Wicker Man will stand the test of time. In a Guardian article, it was ranked the fourth best horror movie of all time. And I imagine that if Robin Hardy was told that, he would laugh. He doesn't see this movie as a horror movie. Academics and members of the public would disagree. It's a movie that has transcended time. It's a movie that is weirdly of its time and at the same time looking forward. It is a movie that feels constant as a source of inspiration, dread and tone throughout British horror cinema from 1974 and beyond. 
If you've never seen The Wicker Man before, now is the time to do it. And don't waste time. You have an appointment to keep. Oh God! Oh Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Christ! No, no, dear God! No, Christ! And you've been listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. This has been episode number six. We are at the halfway mark of chapter two and season three, looking at British folk horror cinema. On this episode, looking at The Wicker Man. Now, I know what you're thinking. Duncan, we have now touched on that milestone you said that foundation keystone at the centre which holds the genre together. So where do we go next? And in my example of the spider's web, we start to spiral out to the lesser known, tangentially linked movies. Let's keep our modern settings, but let's turn the tables on what folk horror cinema could be. On the next episode, and closing out of chapter 2, we'll look at a woefully underseen and underappreciated movie, that of Requiem for a Village. Can I thank everyone who's been checking out the show this far into season 3, and all the kind words for those that are finally stumbling upon the hard work we've been doing on this show this last couple of years. I've recently been getting some feedback via email, which is always great to read of people that have been stumbling on the Chronicle and enjoying the journeys that we take on this show. It's a little something different than what I do on my other shows and hopefully you dig that for sure. If you want to be part of our Facebook group page, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash chronicle podcast. You can visit our website, it's tpodcast.com and there is a myriad of different links on that website to take you to all the other shows that I'm involved with in. On this particular feed, you have Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, and Where to Begin with Jallo. You can also check me out on the podcast Under the Stairs, four episodes of horror podcast content every single week on that feed alone. This episode of Chronicle Podcast was written, recorded, and edited by me for you. Join me next month as we look for Requiem for a village. Join me for this, our more dreadful sacrifice. I'm Duncan McLeish and you've been listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Until the next time. Ignition. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2,